Well, it's time to share the word of the Lord. If you've just joined us on uh, whatever platforms, welcome to you. Great to have you with us. And uh, would you please say this after me? This is God's word. God said it. I believe it. And that settles it. Wonderful. So what I'm sharing with you this morning, I've entitled, The Battle is the Lord's. The Battle is the Lord's. Uh, Won't you say that with me, please? The Battle is the Lord's. And please, would you turn so long to 1 Samuel 17. Um, Now, this is a chapter that contains the story of David and Goliath. And I must say, as I was preparing uh, during this week to share this message, I enjoyed preparing. And uh, I also found that this story is an intriguing story. And perhaps this week for me was, uh, I looked at this in a depth that I've never looked at it before, and I found it was intriguing. And I pray that the Lord will speak to you through this. Why is there a story like this in our Bibles today? I believe it's because God still wants to speak to hearts of men and women regarding what the story contains. So we are going to read quite a lengthy passage of Scripture. And I do want to recommend that you follow in your Bible. In fact, I really want to urge you, please follow in your Bible Uh, Because as you're reading and following, it can just uh, entrench it more into your heart. And you will be blessed by this message. And I believe also that you will be emboldened. Specifically, I use that word, emboldened by the story. And so before we get into our scripture, the context here is that the Philistines were encamped against the Israelites And this was close to the valley of Elah. And in terms of this, the Philistines were basically very intimidating. They were essentially threatening to destroy God's people. A major battle was looming, and this was now a showdown. And please have a look at 1 Samuel 17, verse 3 onwards. And as I read the story, I hope that You can sort of live yourself into the story and get a feeling of what is going on. 1 Samuel 17, verse 3 onwards. The Philistines occupied one hill. I'm reading from the NIV Bible specifically because I like the way it brings it across in this passage. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites the other with a valley between them. A champion named Goliath, everybody say Goliath. Here he comes on the scene. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out from the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span. That is over nine feet tall. This was a big boy. (laughs) He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels, that's 57 kilograms. Just his armor weighed 57 kgs. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves, and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, 
and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. So the tip of his spear was almost seven kilograms. His shield bearer went ahead of him. Verse eight, Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. In other words, he's saying, well, why do you keep on lining up? Come on, choose a man who's gonna fight me. So this is the challenge that he puts there. Verse nine, it says, if he is able to fight me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, this day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. In verse 12, enter David. Everybody say David. Now, David was the son of an Ephratite named Jesse, who was from Bethlehem in Judah. Jesse had eight sons, and in Saul's time, he was very old. Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to the war. The firstborn was Eliab, the second Abinadab, and the third Shammah. David was the youngest. The three oldest followed Saul. But David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep at Bethlehem. Now listen to this, verse 16. For 40 days, for 40 days, the Philistine came forward every morning and evening. And basically, he took his stand. Verse 17, now, Jesse said to his son David, take this ephah of roasted grain and these 10 loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. Take along these 10 cheeses to the commander of their unit. By the way, just take note, they were mixing carbs and protein. <laughs> and then he says, see how your brothers are and bring back some assurance from them. Jump to verse 20. Early in the morning, David left the flock in the care of a shepherd. He loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out into their battle positions shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of the supplies, ran to the battle lines and asked his brothers how they were. Isn't this interesting? So, I mean, David's running out to the battle lines and hey, how are you guys doing? What's happening? Asked the brothers how they were. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Geth, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance, and David heard it. I wanna tell you sometimes, when you hear something, God can begin to speak to you. Verse 24, whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. Now the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. 
The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his, tam- his family from paying taxes in Israel. David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Don't you just love David's attitude? Come on, I believe that some of us need to get more of a fight in us. And so they repeated to him what they had been saying and told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited, that's full of pride you are and how wicked your heart is. You come down only to watch the battle. Now, what have I said? What have I done, said David? Can't I even speak? Can you see David's response? Jump to verse 31. And David, what David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him, for you are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by the hair, struck it, and killed him. Your servant has killed both bear and lion. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistines. So David said, Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. And then what happened is Saul did what he thought he should do. He dressed David in his armor. David put on this armor. It was so heavy that he couldn't even walk around properly. So he said, no ways, I'm not gonna wear this. Pick it up in verse 40. Then he took his staff, because he was a shepherd, he took his shepherd's staff, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. So here we're getting closer, closer to the real confrontation. And then the Philistine looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I will give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. Now look at what David says to the Philistine, verse 45. You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, 
But I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel's armies, whom you have defied. The Lord will deliver you into my hands. I will strike you down and I will cut off your head. That's good war talk right there, isn't it? I'll cut off your head, mate. <laughs> this very day, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Verse 47. And those gathered here will know that this is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord. Say that with me. The battle is the Lord. That's the title of this message today. And he will give all of you into our hands. We draw into a close now, verse 30, 48. And the Philistine moved closer to him, and David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag, taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck the Philistine down and killed him. And so David ran and stood over him. And then he took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from its sheath. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. And when the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran away. Wow. Come on, can somebody say wow? <laughs> this is truly an incredible story that we read here. And we say the Lord bless the reading of his holy word. Amen. Now, I'd just like to say and point out that this is a factual event which took place in biblical history. This is not some dreamed up, made up story. It happened. It is recorded in the history books. And it also just shows how God can reach into situations that seem impossible and God can intervene on behalf of his people. Would you say amen? Now, out of the story, which I hope you've enjoyed hearing it, I've enjoyed studying it, I want to share three things with you out of this. Number one, the intimidation tactics of the enemy. Please say that with me, the intimidation tactics of the enemy. And I want to say to you right off the bat, don't succumb to the fear and intimidation strategies and tactics of the enemy. Even if the situation you are facing may seem so overwhelming, don't succumb. Don't give in. Don't shrink back because God doesn't want you as his child to shrink back. Now, some of the strategies, and, and as I was reading through the story, I realized, well, there's actually a couple of specific ways in which the enemy tried to bring fear and, uh, and, and intimidation. And so there are some strategies that the enemy used to frighten the Israelites, and in particular, David. And you say, well, John, why focus on these strategies? Because bear in mind, the enemy, he may try to use the same strategies to come at you. And there are just four quick strategies. The first one is an intimidating figure. 
So here, Goliath was a daunting figure. He was a giant of almost 10 feet tall with intimidating armor. And they estimate that he weighed somewhere between 280 to 340 kilograms. So let's say roughly 300 kilograms, that's pretty big. I think most of our Springboks only weigh about 120 kgs, if I'm not mistaken. And so here, the first strategy was an intimidating thing in front, an intimidating figure. And I wanna tell you that the enemy, he will try to paint a picture in front of you to intimidate you, a daunting figure in front of you. This may be a physical figure. It might be spiritually that the enemy paints this picture or emotionally and within your mind. But I wanna say when that strategy is used against you, something intimidating, this intimidating picture, maybe it becomes something big and blown out of proportion in your mind, don't succumb to that. The second strategy that was used is verbal taunting. It's interesting that Goliath mocked and he literally insulted the Israelites. He would shout at them and he spewed verbal intimidation at the people of God. You know what? I've discovered that the enemy will try to plant lies in your mind. And sometimes he will even try to shout those lies into your mind. And that's the kind of taunting. And he will say, you're just no good. He would say, you are not good looking. You are ugly. You're unattractive. He will say, you're never gonna amount to anything. He will say, you'll never experience victory. But I wanna say to you, when the verbal taunting comes, do not succumb to that. That was the second strategy. The third strategy is what I would call ongoing oppression. You see, it's interesting to note that Goliath kept on insulting them every morning and every evening for 40 days. Now imagine this has been happening day five, day six, day seven. Imagine you get into day 10 and Goliath is coming out and he does his morning insult <laughs> and he does his afternoon insult and he says, who of you are gonna fight me? I'm gonna make mincemeat out of you. I'm gonna feed you to the birds of the air. I'm gonna crush you. You're gonna become our servants. Now imagine you've been hearing that for 10 days. Then imagine you've been hearing that for 20 days, twice a day. Imagine you've been hearing it for 30 days. And this Bible passage says that for 40 days, there was this ongoing oppression. I also found it interesting, the aspect of 40 days, because it was Jesus that was led into the wilderness to be tempted by the enemy for 40 days. We certainly pray that we won't face 40 days of onslaught from the enemy, but there may be one or two cases in your life where it could potentially be that severe. But I wanna tell you that when that happens, the enemy is trying to break you down through ongoing harassment. He's trying to break you down, wear you down, and make you give up. Come on, child of God, don't give up in situations like that. Your victory could be far closer than you think. And then the fourth aspect, which was a strategy of the enemy, was criticism from someone close. And this was from David's eldest brother. You would have thought of all people, David's eldest brother would encourage him. But instead, Eliab criticized him and even accused him of pride. In verse 28, in the contemporary version, it says, Eliab 
was angry at him and said, what are you doing here? Now, this is a, the brother speaking to his little boot. What are you doing here anyway? Who's taking care of that little flock of sheep out in the desert? You spoiled brat. You come here just to watch the fighting, didn't you? Oh, golly. And you know what? The enemy may use someone close to you. And because they're close to you, you least expect it. And that's why it takes you by such surprise. And they might try to discourage you or question your motives or find fault with you. It's especially difficult when it's someone close to you. But you know what? Even the enemy could be behind that. And I wanna say, don't succumb to that. So after, of, of these intimidation tactics of the enemy, I see basically four. Number one, an intimidating figure. Number two, verbal taunting. Number three, ongoing oppression over 40 days. Number, that's number three. Number four, criticism from someone close. Now, there are probably many other ways in which the enemy will try to discourage and intimidate you. These are just a few of them, but I wanna say to you, don't succumb. Please, don't give in to the intimidation of the enemy. Can I get an amen? That's point number one, the intimidation tactics of the enemy. Number two, that moment when the enemy ticks you off. <laughs> this is a bit of a different point. That moment, you know, on social media, people see, say, you know, that moment when your child did this or that moment. And I wanna say, that moment when the enemy ticks you off. You see, the moment when you get ticked off and annoyed by the enemy, I wanna suggest to you, it could possibly be a defining moment in your life. It could be a God moment. It could be a, a moment of destiny that actually spurs you on to take action. And David was quite frankly annoyed with Goliath. In verse 26 of our passage, it says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God. Can you hear how annoyed David is? That same verse 26 in the NLT says, who is this pagan Philistine anyway? <laughs> and in verse 36, David says, your servant who has killed both the lion and the bear, this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because... He has defied the armies of the living God. You know what? David did not like it when the living God was being mocked in front of him. I believe that you and I should have the same. When there is a mocking of God, there should be a, a something that rises up in us and we say, no, this cannot be. And so the, the key here that I would say is that David's annoyance actually moved him towards Action, very interesting. It moved him towards action. And you know what? I believe that sometimes you and I, we need to get annoyed with the enemy and we need to just say enough is enough and let a righteous indignation rise up within us, not just for the sake of, of getting angry within us righteously, but because it could spur us onto action and God could use you as a result of that indignation that rises within you. And so sometimes we need to get annoyed with the enemy because it could cause us to rise up and actually end up killing a giant. Can I get an amen? 
For instance, that moment when you realize that inferiority has plagued your life and something happens where you are just overwhelmed with inferiority once again and it's like you are overwhelmed and it, it has become like a giant in your life and you realize, no, 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 enough is enough. I am not inferior. How can somebody made in the image of the living God be inferior? And you just get ticked off with the enemy and you decide enough is enough. I'm gonna fight this giant by the power of God with scripture as well and I'm gonna defeat this giant because I refuse to be inferior. I refuse to have the fear of man and run off and cower and be shy. I refuse. That moment when you realize inferiority has plagued your life and you spurred into action. Or that moment, maybe when the school phones you and the school says to you, no, I'm sorry, we need to let you know that your child has broken their arm again. And it is the same arm that they've broken before. And you just, something rises in you and you say, no, no, no. Satan, in the name of Jesus, I stand against you. These ongoing injuries and accidents that my children are having, uh, I stand against this in the name of Jesus. You've gone too far, devil, and I'm coming at you and I'm gonna kill you. I'm gonna cut your head off in Jesus' name. Come on, that moment, or that moment when you realize that the church should not be in lockdown anymore. Come on, am I talking to somebody here today? That moment when you realize that the church has not been respected and something within you says, no, something is wrong, something has to be done about this, and God spurs you on and you take action as a result. And I don't wanna tell you the details of what we're busy with right now, but I wanna tell you that I've had a similar moment in my own heart where I've said, something is wrong. This is not right that the Church of Jesus Christ in the nation of South Africa is treated as a soft target, pushed to one side. The church is not being respected, but we are the representatives of the Most High God. And I wanna tell you something needs to stir within us. And so what is the core message of David and Goliath? This message, this, this story, what is the core message? And this is it, that the God that you and I serve is capable of defeating any of the giants in our lives that we face. Come on, that should bring encouragement to someone. That is the core message. The God that I serve and that you serve, He is capable of defeating any giant in your life. There is not one single giant that God says, okay, that one's off the list. No, everyone can be defeated. Every one of the giants can be defeated. Whether it's a giant of doubt, the giant of insecurity, the giant of maybe retrenchment and the, the, the whole giant picture in front of you that is scaring you, a giant of loneliness, a giant of rejection. It could be a giant of having lost a loved one in this time, and as you face the future, the future seems like an intimidating giant. Well, I wanna tell you, by the grace and the power of God, you can defeat that giant, and you can be victorious. Now, let me ask you this. How old was David when he fought Goliath? And I looked into this quite carefully, and do you know, David was a teenager. You have gotta hear this. He was a teenager. 
the theologians estimate that he was between 16 to 19 years of age, but he was definitely not yet 20, because at 20 you were called up for army like his older brothers had been called up. He had not been called up yet. He was a teenager. And I wanna tell you sometimes as a young person, maybe you're 18 years of age, you think God can only start to use you at a later stage. Nonsense, that is not true. God can use you from very young. And I wanna encourage young people here that are listening to me today and listening online and so on, that God can use you in incredible ways. Don't look down on yourself because you are young, because you can slay some giants in your own life. And you can slay some giants in our communities and in our nation. You can slay some giants Believe God that you can slay these giants. Come on, can I get an amen? He was only somewhere between 16 to 19 years of age. Point number three, David's immense confidence in God. You see, the immense confidence that David had in the Lord God should inspire us. <laughs> it shouldn't be like, oh, I could never be. No, 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 no. It should inspire us. The story, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And also, the stories in the word of God are meant to produce faith inside of you. And so I say in the name of Jesus, let faith arise in this place in Jesus' name. Now, let's look at what uh, the confidence of David. Verse 37, David said, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. I just wanna point out the first two words that David said when he was now declaring what would happen. David said, the Lord. Where was his confidence? His confidence was assuredly in God. He said, the Lord will rescue me. He said, the Lord is the great one. He is the mighty one to save. And I believe that our real confidence to be able to be victorious in life is birthed out of the Lord. It's the first thing he said, the Lord will rescue me from this Philistine. Verse 45, David said, but I come against you, listen to this, in the name of the Lord Almighty. Don't you like that? The God of the armies of Israel, the name of the Lord Almighty. Where was his confidence? You can see it. And also I love in verse 46, the last part, it says, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And I believe that more of us as children of God need to stand up so that people in this nation say, wow, there is a God in South Africa and He is at work in this nation. Look at all the people that are standing up for their God. And so David's confidence was in God. He had complete faith that God could and would give him the victory. And I'd like to also just point out that until David came along, out of all those Israelite people, no one was willing to take a stand and step out in faith. Nobody. But it took this young man called David because David believed God and so can you. And I wanna tell you, there might be people that are waiting for you to step out. There might be people in your family, they are waiting for you. There might be people in your work, they are waiting for you to step out. There might be people in your department where there is this giant of corruption and somebody is waiting for a David to have a word of God and stand up in faith and fight that corruption. 
And so God might be waiting on you. People might be waiting on you. And by the way, it's no surprise that David said in Psalm 27, verse one and three, uh, and, and by the way, it seems like Psalm 27, verse one and three could even relate back to the story. David said, the Lord is, uh, sorry, the Lord is my light and salvation. Whom shall I fear? This is David speaking. The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. I wanna ask you, would you notice those words of David that my heart shall not fear? I wanna say something very specifically, that there may be people listening to me now and you, if you're honest, you have been plagued by fear. And if you look about the situation and you think about it, you realize your siblings also had fear. And also one of your parents had fear. And you realize that a grandparent had fear and that this has been something of a giant in your family's life. And I wanna call upon you in the name of Jesus, let a righteous indignation rise up in you and say enough is enough. We are gonna slay this giant and my children are not gonna suffer with the same thing because that giant's head is gonna be cut off in Jesus' name. And so I wanna say to you, do not be intimidated by the giants that may be before you, but realize the God inside of you can empower you to overcome whatever giant you may have in your life. And so you and I mustn't be those that draw back, but we must be with those that say like David, you know what, there is a God in Israel. We must be those that say, my trust is in the name of the Almighty God. We must be those that declare the Lord is the one who will rescue me. Come on, say hallelujah and put your hands together in Jesus' name. Amen. And let's end off in prayer. I pray that this has encouraged you and stirred you. We'll continue on now on our online platforms if you wanna continue on with us. Let's pray as the worship team comes up. Father, we thank you for the great and powerful story that we've read today, for the encouragement that we have received. We declare that we will not succumb to the tactics of the enemy, but we will have confidence in the Lord our God. And we believe and declare that there is a God in Israel, that there is a God in South Africa, and He is powerful. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. And so Father, we wanna thank you. Thank you for the stirring in our hearts. Thank you for the stirring in this place. Lord, I particularly wanna pray for those people that sense that they have a fear, stronghold in their lives. Maybe you just wanna agree with me in prayer right now. Father, for those people that have been facing a, a giant of fear, in the name of Jesus, we declare that giants are not more powerful than the living God. We pray, Heavenly Father, that there would be the sense of enough is enough, and there would be a determination to fight against those giants, not in our own strength, but in the power of the Almighty God. And we declare over whatever giants and battles that we may be facing, we declare and we worship You, God, and we say, the battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. Thank You, Lord, that You love to see Your people in victory. 
Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name.